It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. New order, don't worry. Maybe. Hello, Hockey World. It's Friday, October 26th, 2018. I'm Michael Agello. I'm Drew Cassier. <laughs> I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. We thought we knew the order. I'm Kevin Allen of USA Today Sports. Uh, and, and I'm Eklund. You're watching Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. At least we think you are. If you're watching this, you are. Um, and uh, we come to you every Monday through Friday to fill you in the comings going in the hockey world. It's been that kind of day around here. Um, but we are so happy to have Kevin, Kevin Allen back with us. And um, I, I got to start it out with a story. I, I told Mike this story too. Uh, it was just such a unique happening. I was at the Little Caesars uh, uh, Arena in Detroit, and uh, a man who works in the press box, who I'd never seen before, came up to me and he said, My name is Kevin Allen. <laughs> and I looked at him and uh, so I felt like I was on the old what's my line. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I felt like I should say, and my name is Kevin Allen too. Um, <laughs> but uh, he said, and he said, I have a story to tell you. He said, uh, I um, went recently to rent a car and I went up to the Avis counter and I presented my driver's license. And the woman said, I know you, you're Kevin Allen, the hockey columnist insider for USA Today. And the man said, yes, I am. And she, she's, and he said, I said, yes, I am, because I was hoping to get a discount. And I said, did you get a discount? And he goes, no, and I was really disappointed, he said. And I thought, wow, I've now reached the point in my career where I could disappoint people without actually being present. So. Oh, man. Welcome to the club, Kev. It's a fun place to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even have to be there, and I could disappoint. You know. Anyway, we ended up having a delightful conversation. He was actually older than me. Uh, his name was Kevin Allen, and he had just gotten a job uh, uh, working uh, as a press box attendant. And he said it's the greatest job he's ever had because he gets some games for free, and um, you know, <laughs> just is really, really enjoying it. So uh, now that I've seen what that Kevin Allen can do, maybe that's uh, what I can do when I retire. So. <laughs> I, I'm waiting for that moment when Pelly Eklund, the actual Pelly Eklund, comes up to me at some point in the press box because he was there a couple times when I wasn't in different situations. So that that would be like another level of that, you know? Like, well, wait a second, no, you're really Pelly Eklund. Yeah, he's gonna, he's gonna sue your ass. <laughs> well, you know what's, what's interesting about that though is you know nobody ever called him Eklund, you know? Right. Like, like you're more Eklund, and to me, he's more Pelly Eklund. You know? <laughs> right. so I would testify on your behalf. Thank you. I'm, 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 you never know when I'm going to need that. I appreciate yeah, it. yeah, because you know, your Eklund is a different, uh, completely different name. So yes, he was her Eric Eklund too. By the way, Pelly was his nickname, right? So it's funny. Ah, it's really good, good stuff. Um, let's talk about hate, shall we? Let's talk. Well, we, uh, we, we, we should we, we should we should talk about the break just the breaking news for a second, act because. Um, that's, uh, that's a terrible transition, Mike. So I, I, I know, I know. Before, <laughs> before we're gonna throw it out there, no, let's let's wait on that because we do want to talk. Okay. I do want to get into. Uh, well, let's wait on it. We'll talk about the hate thing. Go ahead. I want to talk about John Ziegler at the end of the show because I have a good story about that too. So, um, but um, but yeah, I'm sure Kevin got some stories too. But um, but yeah, but so John, John Tortorella last night goes on. You know, I mean, thank God for torts sometimes. You know, like this is like the kind of thing where he gave us something to live for today. You know, like just like. Because he comes out, you know, with a with a lot of reasons. He says, I, you know, I freaking missed the hate in the game. You know, he's like, everybody's just so friendly with each other. He's like, I don't know if it's the, the NHLPA or whatever. That they're just all completely, you know, just buddy-buddy. And, I mean, and it was it was, it was was an excellent point because, you know, I mean, I honestly have felt this as well. And I think we all have, you know, no one's said it. But I think that, I mean, listen, there's no question that hockey's a small world, right? And that these players have played with each other it's hard you would you would never be able to find a team where somebody hasn't played with somebody on the other team at some point you just it does it, it you know likely every player has played with somebody on the other team at some point you know that whether it's juniors whether it's in the world cup whether it's the world championships whatever everybody in hockey is knows everybody else and it's it's not it's really rare that you see and so 
there is a definite softening of that hatred, which I think is is actually a softening of the game itself because I think we need that in our in our game. I, and I think he's right about it. I think we need that. I think we need that animosity to come back. I mean, I was remembering, you know, back to when I was a kid watching the Flyers and how much I hated the Rangers. I mean, I hated the Rangers. I love New York City. I've always loved New York City, but I hated Thomas Sandstrom. I hated the Rangers. I hated everything about them. Um, and I shared a story in my blog, which I'll share again to this day, which is one of my favorite stories of all time, um, which is that, you know, when I was, I was at a Rangers game, I'm going to say it was like right around 1986 because I was stressed out of my mind. I was graduating high school, getting ready to go to college, trying to decide where I was going to go to school. Um, and I was at a Flyers Rangers game and it was great because I was away from all that crazy stress and I was able to hate the Rangers and not worry about my regular life. And Lindsey Carson and Thomas Sandstrom collided, you know, uh, th th and, you know, Carson bro had broken his stick just earlier in the play on a shot. And then he collides with Thomas Sandstrom. And there's a big scuffle, which every time ever anyone in those days collided with Thomas Sandstrom on the Flyers, there was a scuffle. And Carson grabs Sandstrom's stick from him and starts playing with it. His Sandstrom stick and the puck, you know, and he skates towards the bench and he, and the puck comes to comes to Carson. And I think I think Carson's idea was just to take the stick and skate off with it. But he, but as he's skating towards the bench, the puck comes to him. So he grabs the puck, gets over the red line, and dumps it in to make the line change. He does all this with Sandstrom stick. So Sandstrom is freaking out, yelling on their eyes, "Ah, what's going on?" You know, screaming at the referee. Carson goes on. Lindsey Carson goes on to the Flyers bench, takes the stick, slams it into the ground, breaking it in half, and then throwing it into the crowd behind him in two pieces. Um, I will never forget this as long as I live. And it was just, and it was one of those moments that was, that I, you will never see again. Like you'll never see that kind of thing happen. Yeah. But here's the thing. Like, I feel like I'm listening to like my grandfather talk about something that I didn't agree with when I was growing up that he saw Like these guys do play a million. <laughs> these, no, I mean, but these guys do play a million games against each other. These guys make a lot of money. This isn't just in hockey. This is in all sports. Now we've seen this happen. This is just a natural thing that's happened in sports. It's not a softening of hockey because if you talk to anybody with the last name of Kachuk or you talk to Marshawn or a host of other guys, they don't feel that way. But this is John Tortorella basically saying, I used to be able to get my guys whipped up to a frenzy so they wanted to kill the other team, and now I can't. And that's the big issue here. It's not about there's no hate. It's about his message used to be that, and it doesn't work anymore. I don't know. I mean, I think well, I, 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 I want to hear. I mean, I mean, Kevin obviously lived through Detroit, Colorado, yeah. firsthand, which was like the unbelievable, which was the epitome of this to me. Was what you know he had, this. and I just and I looked at the rivalries now, and I can't, I can't find any rivalry. I mean, all the rivalries have dropped down a couple notches in intensity, um, and maybe and they play each other all the time. I agree with you, but still, isn't it possible to get ramped up? Still, Kevin, what are you, Kevin? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm with uh, Russ on this. Like, I, I, I don't think the hate's gone for the game. Um, you know, Jonathan Taves and uh, Sidney Crosby have played leader, have shared leadership roles on Team USA. And when those two play, uh, there's no love lost. Uh, you know, the stalls have fought each other. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think what has happened, I think this is true, is that players have developed more of a respect for the idea that you can actually – seriously hurt uh, someone on the other team. And I've pulled, they've pulled back the reins a little bit and I'm going to say a little bit in that regard, but you know, I, you still see, like, I, I know what you're saying about the rivalries, but I don't think it's because the hate is gone. I think it's just the nature of the beast. There's more teams now. You don't play teams as often anymore. I mean, the Red Wings and the Colorado Avalanche, you know, they're in different conferences now. Yeah. And not only that, but, you know, they, they, you know, you, you need meaningful games. That's why the Washington Capitals and the Pittsburgh Penguins are still good rivals because they do play meaningful games as, as yeah. do the Philadelphia Flyers and the Penguins. So I, I, I think uh, uh, teams do get cranked up. And, uh, you know, I do think, you know, and just the players that Russ mentioned, you know, they don't, there's no love loss. But, you know, is it exactly the way it used to be? Well, no, but. I, I still think these guys play at a pretty high level of intensity. I, I think they do too, but I think that the the way to express that intensity has been eliminated to a greater or lesser extent. I mean, first of all, I mean, hat, the the hat you're wearing, the the yeah. Nordiques hat, right. the 
Montreal Quebec rivalry was not a rivalry. It was civil war. They hated each other. They had bench clearing brawls before games, during games, and after games. They hated each other with a with a passion. But fighting has pretty much been eliminated in the game. And now, as as you've seen from uh, the, the the Tom Wilson situation, if you throw a dirty check at center ice, you lose. You know. Twenty uh, percent of your pay in twenty game suspension because it's not acceptable anymore. So you can't really hit that much anymore. You can't fight anymore. I mean, I loved watching Sabers, Leafs bench clearing brawls in the seventies and early eighties. It's not happening anymore. The game is changing. I think the hate is still there. It comes out, and if it, what takes hate to build up is frequency. So mm-hmm. the idea of how the new play, the current playoff thing was brought around that the NHL wanted to help form better rivalries because they know hate is created in the playoffs. And the biggest hate on right now is between Winnipeg and Nashville. No question. And in the playoffs, I do see this come back. And part of the reason I love the playoffs is you see this come and come back. Like, and during the regular season, there are players, like random players throughout each team. Flyers, or the Flyers like Travis Konechny, okay, for example. He's a good example of it, you know, to me. Of a player who still plays, like, every game is his last, and he can't, you know, and, he, and, he, and, he, and even though he's played with lots of these guys in World Junior Championships on Canada um, over the years, you would never know it for a second. You know, he's not going to tap somebody on the back if they make a good play. He's not going to, you know, go into the faceoff circle and, like, you know, give a smile to the other player. He's just not going to do it. I need that. I think we need that fourth wall back, you know, like that, that. I don't like the breaking of the fourth wall. I don't like when players, you know, are friendly with each other on the ice. I, um, I, I like the fact that the stalls will never do it. And, you know, part of that is just, that is how they were raised. And that's the, and they get this part of the game. Okay. But wait, you know, I don't see players being friendly with each other on the ice ever. What I, I do see, hold on. What I do see though, like is after a football game, Players trading jerseys and getting them signed. Hockey players don't do that in view of the public. Now, or in playing together, or, or playing play, together. Yeah, yeah I, I don't see any of that. So I, I have to disagree on that too. I do. Well, you know where you see them coming together, and it's different. Is the off season. Yeah, that's where you're seeing the stuff happen. They golf together. They right. go to the same. They Not go even to buy game. They're they're hanging out in the hallways talking. They, yeah, I mean yeah. basically. Predator Ridge and the surrounding communities in Kelowna are the NHL's off-season retirement home. It's yeah. unbelievable. Oh, yeah, and different, 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 different but, players being represent being represented represented by the same agent. There, there's yeah. a, an avenue for a relationship so, there. Let me throw you. You know, and you talk about hate, and you talk about that rivalry in the game. I, I brought up Winnipeg, Nashville. You know where it actually is the best. The best one. The Canadian women, Canadian and United States women's national teams. Yeah. That is, well, that's real. Venom. Like, yeah, that's yeah. like the 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 alien venom when it bleeds. It just slices and melts everything. It's so powerful. Yeah, but, 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 I, but saying that, you know, Peter, you know, I, I covered them a little bit. That like they're really front. Like the Canadian women and the American women played together on pro teams, and yeah. you know, two of them have even gotten got married. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. You no, know, there's. Um, I I think there's incredible friendship mm-hmm. there. Well, um, I think there's friendships, but when you, they throw in the jerseys, yeah. But it's, I, it's I, mean, I, think you're, I think you're making the point that the Russ and I are making, which yeah. is, you know, just because they're friends doesn't mean they can't have intense, uh, right. you know, rivalries. And I, you know, the game is not the same as it was years ago, just for the reasons that Mike mentioned. You yeah. know, and there, there were more avenues in which for the for it to boil over than are now available. Even the way we hit people now yeah. has changed. You know, Rule Forty Eight. Yes. You know, you you know the the Lindros versus uh, or the Stevens hit on Lindros. You know, we wouldn't have that uh, right. a- anymore, which you know created a lot of animosity as well. So you know, the game has really changed. But I, you know, I don't see players playing any less hard than they did before. No, uh, and fact, I have to point they, out to that, and I know I brought this up once before when a plane broke down, the Flyers and Rangers. Back in the '70s, had to take the same flight, and they separated the, uh, you know, one team was in the back, one team was in the front, but they were on the same plane, and that plane never got diverted. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I've not listen. I know for years that they that these players get along off the ice. You know, that's not it's the, the and that and that's the, that's always been the case. I mean, 
there have been there's an absolutely players who don't but there's there's many more players that do like i, I even going back to like the crazy flyers penguins uh shootout series of a few years back when in game six you know Giroux fought crosby you know just like which was like one of these famous moments um Giroux and crosby are really tight like they they've they were they've been friends forever they they really i mean they will get together and they have, these are these are two guys that, that just have absolute admiration for each other yet they're on this in rival the captains of rivals you know across the state of pennsylvania yeah but that's an argument in favor of familiarity breeds contempt because basically in the as as kevin would know a tw- in the 21 team nhl the adams division teams and every other division play each other play each other eight times Four home, four away. Now with the balanced schedule, it's four games for division, four games for the other conference. It's almost impossible until the playoffs, until you play a team six or seven times in a row, that you that you develop this hatred, this bloodlust. And it, it, I don't think that there's any way that you're really going to develop that, even with division rivals, unless they played in a playoff situation like like Peter was saying with Nashville and, and Winnipeg, that you're really going to develop any hatred. So I think the balanced schedule is is much to blame as sort of the change in the rules. Into it, but like Kevin, you said that you argued a couple weeks ago when we were on here that you need more players with um with character, you know, that say that say interesting things or that, that you know bring up some cool fun. Yeah, I mean, I just, just I wouldn't say with more character. I think the NHL has plenty of character. I would say more colorful. I mean, colorful. I, I wish that we had more colorful guys. And um, I, I, you know, and I also think it's a cultural thing um, that uh, you know, the in the we celebrate the idea of uh, you know all, all for the team and no individual uh is sacrificed you know for the good of the team you know we all like that but it it also hurts the game as well because you know what makes uh, a sport more intriguing for a fan is is when it has you know colorful characters that you care about i mean you know you know i live in a world where i know that uh, all you got to do is put lebron in a headline we you know at, at usa today we just uh moved someone over to cover the nba and I, I joked that he, we moved him over to cover LeBron. He lives in LA. And, you know, we have an NBA writer and then a LeBron writer. Uh, and, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's that he's that important. And he's not alone. Uh, if you put Steph in a headline, uh, you know, everybody knows what that is and they'll probably read the story. And, you know, they've got a half a dozen guys like that. And, you know, we have some guys, like I think you could say Sydney in a headline. and at least the hockey fans would know, but, um, you know, it would not have the same all sports recognition as LeBron, uh, you know, so. No, that's for sure. And I, I mean, I, I just, I, I do sense this, like more than ever, I'm hearing from fans all the time though. And I don't know if any of you guys are hearing this too, of how bored they are with their teams. Um, and it's, it's very, I don't know what the, I don't know why that, you know, I don't know where to put this exactly. You know, like some, I mean, obviously it's, I only hear that for teams that are like, you know, not competing because yeah. they're, they're going, you know, in a rebuild. I don't hear it otherwise. Well, I, I, I don't hear, I don't hear it at all from Toronto fans. Cause they're, yeah, no, well, of course and, not. And when, when, in Winnipeg, I'm, assu- I'm assuming Peter, they're not exactly bored with the jets right now. Nope. Not at all. Yeah. And I know, I know that's always going to be with the teams that are struggling right more than anyone else, obviously, but, the regular season had, you know, and we talk too much, you know, we've talked a lot about the regular season and whether or not that's, you know, it's lost its luster or what's happening you know, with it. But, um, and, and the fact you're right, the schedule does change things for sure. But, um, I, I do get us, I really just get a sense that we've lost a little bit of that intensity. Um, and I don't know, I, I did, I, and I get what Torts is saying in this thing like i usually don't agree with tortorella so that's why part of my part of my amazement of this whole thing is this, perhaps that um i i just think that i just think that i i just think that i think that torts is living in say 2001 or yeah 2000. i do too i think and, you know i mean and it's it, and don't get me wrong like i said i love i grew up on emotional hockey on rivalries on hatred between fan bases on hatred between teams it's not there anymore. It's not going to be there anymore. The game has changed. I think they, I think that these players are motivated. They want to win. They want to win for their teams. But the, but that 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 uh, you know that unconscious thing that 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 Paul that hangs over it's that's never going to be, be part of the sport again. I don't think it will be. You know, I can give you a stat too that kind of um, illustrates how the game has changed in the playoffs, and it's from courtesy of Doc Emmerich, and he and I were talking about fighting. Uh, and uh, 
uh, Doc is a uh, <laughs> was a connoisseur of hockey fights. You know, he he started his career in the IHL in an era when they had Willie Trogowitz and uh, 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 Archie Henderson. And he left the year before. I can't remember his name. Got 570 penalty minutes one year. I can't. Uh, but anyway, we were talking about fighting, and Doc pointed out, and I know this is right on the money, that there were seven fights <laughs> in the playoffs last year, and in 87, there were 87 fights in the playoffs. <laughs> So 87 versus seven, you know, that's amazing. And yeah. um, I, I think that kind of alters perception, but I don't, I don't think any of us who cover think that the hockey uh, isn't as uh, entertaining uh, as it was in 87. I, you know, last year's playoffs were unbelievable. Uh, uh, you know, with the way the, the Vegas made its run and, <laughs> you know, uh, and the Capitals and Ovechkin, there was a lot of drama to what's going on. So, um, I, I think it does alter perception, the fact that we don't have, uh, we have to hit differently than we've hit in the past. And of course, fighting just simply doesn't exist at the levels that we've had before. So I think that alters per perception, but I, I think the intensity and the, um, the desire to win, which is, can be, um, just the same as the hatred of the other team. Um, I, I guess it's somewhat different, but um, anyway, I, I, I think that's the same. I just think the perception's been changed by how the game has changed. Speaking of the desire to win, Kev, I, I wanted to, we could transition to this. I, I know that you know a couple teams in the West, uh, St. Louis and L.A., have gotten off to really bad starts. Um, I saw a note uh, yesterday that uh, in L.A., you know, Rob Blake talked to the Kings had a team meeting and there's some indication that, you know, maybe they're looking for a shakeup and Doug Armstrong and St. Louis, the same thing. Usually that happens around American Thanksgiving and we're not even at Halloween yet. And I get the feeling that, you know, these teams are struggling so bad that maybe they'll jumpstart that American Thanksgiving deadline and maybe do something. What, what, do, what do you think? Well, I mean, what Rob Blake has to wrestle with now is, is you know, was this a complete uh, misjudge of a fly ball here? Uh, you know, uh, uh, and you know, I think we're all guilty a little bit. By the way, uh, so yeah, I mean, that I I think he um, felt that this team was still competitive, and when you look at it, you know, with Kopitar, Quick, um, and Dowdy, this team should be competitive, but uh, that it's just simply not fast enough. And, uh, you know, not deep enough. And uh, it's really kind of grown stale. And uh, I, you know, I thought they would be able to kind of hold their own this year. And I'm su surprised a little bit, too. But the speed factor is just so overwhelming that they really looked to me as I watched their games like lost. Like they like they really, um, you know, it's like it, it feels like it's an AHL team trying to play at the NHL, even oh, though they yeah. have Kopitar has three goals and no assists in nine games. How could a center have no assists of his caliber? Like, yeah, no, it's really good. I mean, they're just totally out of sync. But the one that's the most intriguing is I loved almost everything Armstrong did in the offseason. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and he's got a lot of guys. I think Boomeister has fallen off. Yeah, Trangelo has not played as well. Um, Tarasenko's a little off. Like yeah. they've got, and you know, there's always been questions about their goaltending. So and Pareko is playing on the bottom pairing. Yeah, it, it's it's what a mess. So um, I don't know. I mean, uh, if you're ownership there now, you're really confused because I think uh, uh, the perception there is, is that Armstrong had done a reconfiguration and it was going to work, um, and clearly it hasn't. So I I I think there there could be a shake up there. Armstrong is a mover and a shaker and an old school. GM who I think can make trades. So yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if he does uh, look around and see what he can do. Yeah. I mean, the scary thing about the Kings is, and it, it Dowdy's new contract doesn't kick in until next year, next year, Kopitar, Dowdy and quick total, almost a total over $27 million against the cap. And yeah, it, but that's, you know, that's really not that big of a percentage against where we're at now. Like, you know, we keep talking about those salaries, but the cap has risen to the point where, you know, you can afford three guys. It's just when you get in like the Maple Leafs position where, you know, you have multiple guys that you get in trouble. But I think every team can afford three big time contracts. Yeah. And, and get ready to drink, Act. But because the a week out after the 
uh, so, the Sojourn to Switzerland by Kyle Dubas. And every you know, most people were saying that, you know, let's wait a week and see how things pan out. That, you know, maybe a week out, Nylander will be signed and, uh, you know, things will be settled down. Well, it's more than a week. There hasn't been any progress. There hasn't been any report of anything getting, you know, like there was one report saying that they were close on a long-term deal that turned out to be completely wrong. Um, there had, seems to be no progress on a bridge deal. And, you know, we're inching day by day towards that December 1st deadline. And I don't think it's going to get to that point because I think either he's going to sign or be traded before then. But if there was going to be a deal made, you would have thought it would have been pretty quickly after that overture by Dubis. And there just seems to be no progress. I'll make this point real quick and then I'll let you guys talk about it. But I hope Dubis is not as anxious as you and the Toronto fan base about this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think if he has that level of panic that I sense, and, and for the most part, the Maple Leaf, uh, Leaf Nation, I've been really impressed with how they've totally embraced this. You know, they're such a smart <laughs> hockey group anyway, but but now this is the first time I've noticed they've, resor they've resorted to to old uh, Maple Leafs Nation, sort of the, just the, the nervousness and the anxiousness here. Like, just give this time. Like, he's he's got time now. There's, you yeah. know, he's yeah. the panic. Here's the thing. He may have time, but other teams don't. And I think he's he's definitely getting offers. And he's, you know, Kev, we see sometimes GMs will go around just sort of, you know, checking on their guys and not really doing scouting. But Kyle Dubas was doing scouting. And he was and he was staying for the entire game. Like we know that scouts will a lot of times leave in the second period or team personnel will sometimes not team personnel for the home team, but for, you know, on the road, we'll leave in the second period. He's in, in Philadelphia on Monday. Yeah. He stayed for the whole game. And, and so I think he is getting offers. And I do think Ron Hextall is probably giving offers because his team couldn't look any worse right now. And he already put down the gauntlet the other day. And if you think about it, Van Riemsdyk is days from coming back. Simmons has a contract that they haven't been able to come to an agreement with either. You've got Nylander, and I think if you think about it, you could put together a deal that involves Nylander and Simmons and Sanheim and another player from the Leafs. I think you could just put that together. Here, here's my only point. Maybe the deal will come together, but if it doesn't, you know, he can go all the way to no, late November. And make oh, yeah. No question. I mean, yeah, there's literally no reason for him to take something just to do it now. He should wait and get his best offer unless, you know, someone comes through and offers him, uh, you know, something that uh, he can't uh, turn down right now. Right? Yeah, just like just like Truba did a few years ago. But the but just like I think that that situation that situation is sort of a blueprint where things I think will go with Nylander. I mean, they may in the end sign a bridge deal, but I, I contend that that if they if he does sign a bridge deal, it'll be the last deal that he signs in Toronto because I don't think that the what they've gone through with Nylander and he's a great player. I I, I don't begrudge him that at all. But what they've gone through with him in terms of the negotiating situation on the entry-level deal and now on this uh, deal uh, to get him signed, try to get him signed long-term, you know, teams don't want to have to go through that every two, three years. And yeah, this but you never know. Like, I mean, I agree to some extent uh, that, you know, you don't want a problem child, but you never know what can happen. Sure. Um, you know, like, who knows? You know, maybe he'll end up setting the world on fire. Yeah. And um, yeah, uh, then, uh, you know, they'll see him in a different light even than they see him now. And they'll, they'll you know, maybe they'll trade Marner instead of him. I mean, sure, but I'm sure he's talking to four or five teams because there are teams getting itchy. And what if it gets to November and then the Nylander market has cooled off? Like then they're in a spot, too. Well, I guess. Yeah. I mean, you'd rather get something for him now because you're a contending team. I definitely agree with that. But, it, you know, it's not the end of the world. Like, he's still an asset. You haven't lost the asset. No, no, no. It's not the end of the I world. Mean, like, if you traded him in the offseason, you might even get more. Right. <laughs> you, don't, you don't know. So. Sure. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about the couple of games I watched last night. One was the Blackhawks Rangers game. <laughs> um, I, don't, I really don't want to talk about the Flyers Bruins game. We kind of touched on that yesterday. And the Flyers. There is one thing, is one thing to mention from the Flyers Bruins. Go ahead. I think one important thing. So this team is really dumb right now. And at the end of that game, they there was 28 seconds with a Bruins power play. 
And there was a play where Andrew McDonald pulled down Jake DeBrusque, but the refs didn't see it. So DeBrusque interfered with McDonald, and that got called. While that was going on, because there was a fight earlier in the game, on the other side of the ice, while the refs were talking, Scott Lawton gets into it with Camper and now gets himself ejected from the game. So the Flyers went from potentially having a five-on-three to being down a man with three minutes to go in a game that they're down two goals in. That's not a winning yeah, form. I mean, that that game, I mean, we should touch on a little bit, I guess. Is I mean, if you were if you were worried about, you know, if, if you were sitting there and you're worried about Axtell, um, they could not have gone worse for Axtell last night. Just everything about it. I mean, because, because you know, he brings up, you know, Andrew McDonald comes back in lineup, and Andrew McDonald, who I really think gets maligned unfairly by the Flyers fans, and I've always felt that just has a horrendous game, you know, like, and you, you know, the problem is when you get maligned, when you actually do have a horrendous game, you really get maligned. <laughs> so he actually does have a bad game last night. Um, and, you know, and it's, it's, it's interesting to listen to the Flyers broadcast. Cause they, we were talking about this on text. We were going back and forth. And I was talking to another, uh, my, my um, niece about this too, is a huge Flyers fan and just doesn't understand what's happening. Um, how, you know, McDonald gives away the puck on the, on Chara's goal, but also skates in the front. He gives away the puck to somebody. That person passes to Chara. Chara takes a shot and McDonald, races over just in time to deflect it past, you know, yeah. Elliot. I mean, just like one of these like <laughs> moments that Andrew McDonald will not put on his highlight reel, just like completely. And yet the, yet the announce, yet the people calling the game, you know, who are, you know, granted they work for the flyers and they're great people. Um, you know, and it wasn't a hundred percent that you could tell McDonald deflected it, but it was pretty darn close. Like it was like, okay. Cause, cause, cause the, cause the way the camera disappears, you know, behind a player, you can't really see whose stick it is, but his stick was the only one that could actually, it, this was like the, uh, magic bullet. If someone else deflected it <laughs> because it changed direction, you saw the slow motion of the puck and it's like going like this and then going like this, you know, that was the worst game of flyers defenseman has had really, really? In the last five years. That was so destructive to the team that it literally took them out of a game. Yeah, and then the second goal, McDonald is standing there while, you know, a player tips it in right after the Flyers have taken too many men on the ice penalty, which is a bad thing for the from the yeah. coach's perspective as well. This there was just nothing and then like and then another it's like, come on. I know, it's just could could anything more have gone wrong for Axel? You had to start to feel bad at some point. And then you sit there and you're and you're watching Limblom, who he does play. Like we talked about this yesterday. We don't yeah. think he's gonna play Verobiev, sorry. But he plays Limblom, which is the right move to do. The more talented, more skilled guy takes another, takes a ridiculous penalty too, like coming out of the penalty box and like plays the puck before his skates run. That was the second time that happened that game because Vorbeck <laughs> did that. I know. So it's like these are all things. Kevin Allenis, Kevin, have you ever seen a game where two guys are coming out of the penalty box and actually try and play the puck before they're out of it and have to go back in the penalty box? <laughs> <laughs> no, I have not in the same period. No, it wasn't it. I don't know if it was in the same period. I don't know about period, that. Actually, I mean, it was just it was that it was that that rough. And you know, you're sitting there and you're like, okay, Neuvirth is back. You know, he's he's behind Elliot. Elliot played fine. It wasn't Elliot's fault. No, it wasn't Elliot's fault. Halak played amazing. Halak made some great saves. You know, he's he's quite a story right now that like people are kind of ignoring, right? But Halak well, made a couple big saves, but you know. I don't know. It was, just, it was really – and, you know, so the and Flyers fans now, you know, now that the Islanders come in on Saturday, you know, yeah. they come in tomorrow afternoon. And if that game doesn't go well – Oh, they used to own the Islanders. Who knows now? I mean, right. If that game doesn't go well, things things will change in Philadelphia pretty quickly. I don't know where – I don't know how it'll be. I don't know if it'll be a coaching change or a trade, but you can tell that you're just at that point where um, a Scoop Cooper, who I love and sits in the press box with us, says that is the kind of game that changes a man's career. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good one. That is. That's an awesome line. I love that line because we, we it happened when Rathji gave away the puck, and this was the last game he ever played as a flyer. Yeah. He gave away the puck, um, and we were walking. I was walking to the elevator with him in the press box, and he's like, "That, my friend, is a game that changes a man's career." <laughs> I'm like, "Or ends a man's career," is what he said. Ends a man's career. Today. I'm like, "Okay, well, there you go, um, hey guys." Um, I I actually note that I only have six minutes left of power, yeah. and I have forgotten the power cord uh, yeah. on this computer, so I'm gonna. I wanted to just talk a little bit about Ziegler passed yeah, away. Yeah. Uh, but first of all, I wanted to make a point. Uh, and, you know, maybe something we can talk about in the future because it really bugs me. I happen to be talking to someone who's familiar with uh, uh, radio ratings. And, um, um, you know, he had some information and he, he just was kind of despondent. And I said, how bad yeah. is it? And he said, it's incredibly bad. Like he was predicting like sort of like that we're headed toward the end of of NHL, you know, radio that, you know, it, it's all going to be, 
you know, simulcast and all that. And uh, uh, that just makes me sad because, you know, I get it that people only listen on the radio if they're in a car or, um, you know, there's some place where they can only, you know, listen to it on the radio. But, you know, it, once we reach the point where there's not, where we're not going to be on, you know, except on uh, available on the internet, you know, like that'll, that'll make me sad that we will not uh, uh, do that. But, you know, we're already seeing that, the, you know, the Kings made their move this year to, uh, to, I think they're only on the web, right? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I think so. You know the Cardinals, but I don't know about the Kings. I mean, if, if I'm wrong, though, I'm sure the Kings fans will correct me. But I, I thought I remembered seeing they they switched. But you know, obviously, we all saw what happened in with the Hurricanes, and right. you know, now they just simulcast the the television, and that's what this guy predicted. You know, who's involved in radio is going to happen is that they'll just use the. The feed, but anyway, I want to talk about Ziegler who passed away. Uh, he was the commissioner when I, or president, I should say, when I uh, uh, started covering the league. And what I remember is what a dapper dresser he was. You know, he wore like an ascot occasionally, and uh, you know, he was he was quite a. Uh, you know, he he always tried to make a fashion statement. He was uh, when he when he you know that's what I remember about him as well. But you know he. Despite the fact that Gary Bettman was really the commissioner who modernized the game and really enhanced the revenues, you know, Ziegler did some work as well. You know, he came out of the Clarence Campbell regime where it was just about hockey and there was no growth. And, you know, Ziegler had at least a vision that they could uh, turn it into a more mainstream sport. And he was at least attempting to do that. He didn't do a very good job of it. Um, but you know he he had uh, he and Wirtz uh, talked a lot about trying to to do more, and it was probably the wrong two guys in that era. Uh, <laughs> but they they thought uh, they were you know headed in the in the right uh, you know direction, and uh, um, you know he was uh, Ziegler was a good lawyer. Uh, he was from the Detroit area and sort of understood the legal ramifications of it all. And um, you know a lot of the owners in that period really liked John quite a bit, and. Uh, not so different than now where yeah, um, yeah. ownership is uh, quite fond of Gary Bettman as well because he's made him a lot of money. And quick, back then, um, the owners kind of thought Ziegler was doing a good job. Quick quick question about Bettman because I've heard some speculation. Sorry. What's that? You're echoing strangely. Sorry. No, I'm, it's okay now. Okay, go ahead. Um, there's been some speculation that Bettman does not want to be part of the new the the CBA negotiations when they come up. Um, but I, I there hasn't been any kind of hint, Kev, that he's ready to to hang him up. What, what do you what do you think or what are you hearing? I, I just can't imagine that. Um, you, know, you know, I I have had conversations with Gary about uh, uh, that led me to believe that he's not anywhere near contemplating retirement. I've joked with him about yeah. Uh, yeah. you know passing. Uh, um, uh, David Stern, um, and as I think David Stern went to what 71, I think so. Yeah, yeah. don't yeah. you remember though? Don't you remember to a degree that Batman, like, I, I think it was during the two lock the actual season long lockout that, um, and if, if you just if, if Kevin just fades off into oblivion, we'll say goodbye when you do, right. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, don't you remember that Gary? I didn't, I don't think that Gary expected to be still doing this at this point, like, I, I really. Right. I think by the time it came up again, I thought he thought he would be out. Oh, I don't know about that. I, uh, I think I Gary's a pretty confident guy. Uh, I don't, I don't agree with that either. Yeah, he, he, you know, he really has confidence his own ability, and you know, when it really shows up too, what, you know, what an incredible lawyer he is is when he has to make these rulings, and you read his briefs, and you're, you go, wow, I forgot that Gary Bettman <laughs> is really a lawyer, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, and we should never forget that because he really has kind of a lawyer's approach. Like all this stuff about him and, you know, CTE, uh, you know, he's just being a lawyer on this. You know, right. do you think he come out and admit that, that you know, there's a connection that when there's a lawsuit pending and, you know, he's just you know, doing what he's got, got to do, you know. And, he, and they, those guys like he and Daly, they love being lawyers at times, you know. Like, oh, they, they do. They do. Man. I also think Bettman uh, likes everything about being a commissioner. I don't think he appreciates, uh, you know, what happens when there's a, a lockout because you know it costs everybody money. But uh, I think he, you know, he relishes the the fight, and this is part and parcel of it. And I just can't imagine him saying, "I'll sit this one out, boys." <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, I mean, I think that, I mean, it's such a big part of um, 
these negotiations. You know, Bill Daly is they really are a duo. I mean, they really yeah. are. I think this is their last negotiations. I really do. I think after this go round, I think he is going to hang it up at some point during when they turn the corner on this next negotiation. I, that's the way I feel. I, I don't doubt that the end is on the horizon, Russ, but I don't think he's actively talking about it. I think he just knows that a few things left he wants to get done. This last one would be it. Um, one of the interesting things about the last lockout was Elliot Friedman. Um, Put in his in his thirty one thoughts back then. Put in a really interesting comment about Gary's health, and what was interesting was it, no one really picked up on it. And when it was announced that Batman had had surgery for I think it was gallstones or something like that. Um, after I I mentioned it to Friedman via Twitter, and I said you're probably the only one who brought this up. And I said I, I remember you bringing this up, and he goes and he said that was the only time I'd ever had Gary Batman call me up and be upset with me and i thought isn't that interesting from all the reporting that elliot did you know he's the cream of the crop no offense kevin and I, I don't I mean, as are you but in terms of canada who we see he's replaced bob mckenzie as number one and i was such a telling telling piece about his relationship with gary and what gary is sensitive to and i thought that's that's really interesting and um and 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 that would probably be the only thing I could see slowing Gary down a little bit is if he had some concerns about his health because he has found consensus with the most trying issues the NHL has ever faced and yeah. may ever face, and that is a remarkable and done and true. done so. And I know Kevin, we've talked about this, but no, there he goes. <laughs> and done so. And and the other thing, I mean, I've talked to. Kevin and I have talked a lot about Batman over the years, um, and Batman has done so with with the ability to to bridge the gap between an ownership group that is as varied as any group of people you'd ever yeah. meet. You're talking about the diff the difference. I mean, they all everybody in business has what they want to get out of it, right? Um, and that that's normal, and that's that's how things work. But to actually be able to bridge the gap between like the difference between what like a Vinick wants to get out of it what a what you know an ed snyder wants to get out of it to to you know to you know the guy in carolina to the to, i mean they're every, i mean you're talking about it's a mix of old school and new school that's hard to deal with that's what it is Zach. yeah yeah i mean he is able to get these people to agree to get the most incredible accomplishment of all time to me was to get ed snyder to agree to the to being to be willing to miss a year that that he actually got like ed snyder to do that is gross, just unbelievable, you know, and I will never, you know, I, I mean, I, we hated it, it, but he, but he convinced, and that is why, by the way, I'm still convinced to this day, that is why we have a, we have a trapezoid behind the net. I'm still convinced to this day that we have that, that Snyder's compromise with this. I'll miss a year, but you gotta, you gotta calm down Marty Berdur's ability to handle the puck. Let's put a trapezoid behind the net. That, I still think that's why it's there. Yeah. But you know, look, I, I, that, how he's approached things is, and sometimes I, I, you know, in the in lockout 2005, you know, the beginnings of hockey buzz, the seeds that grew it into what it is today yeah. was one of the interesting times because Gary Bettman took a lot of flack. But the interesting thing about that was he came out looking better than Bob Goodnow, which is an interesting thing. He is. Uh, Peter, one second. Now you actually, your microphone actually faded out. I think you have to unplug, unplug your USB and plug it back in. Okay. There you go. You're back. Yeah. Yeah. There. How's that? That's better. Yeah, Thank better. you. You're right. Okay. You're right. I mean that. So, that, so my ahead. point. My point was. Go ahead, Peter. If if you look at what he's done under the circumstances he's done it, in the economic environments he's had to go through, mm -hmm. with two countries, currency disparities, mm -hmm. a, a union that has been in disarray more than once, and through no fault of his. And, and the nuances of dealing with the, probably the second most international league after Major League Baseball, maybe, and maybe even comparatively in terms of nationalities and where people come from, basketball being maybe a close tie, I would hire him 12 times out of 10 to do that job in any capacity if I were an NHL owner, and I would hire him to do things for me if he wasn't even in sports because he's that good. Whether well, you like him or not is aside from the point. He gets results. 
and, let, and let, his results speak for himself. Let, let's take the most recent example of his decision-making process because they, you know, it, after the show yesterday, it came down that uh, he upheld the 20 game suspension on Tom Wilson. And I, and I honestly, I, I full heart, I full, I fully agree with the, the upholding of the suspension because he's a, uh, Wilson is a recidivist. He's somebody who's repeat, a repeat offender. He shows no, willingness to change his game from the predatory ways that he's played most of his career. And I think the only way that he ever changes is to be very tough on him in terms of punishment. Now it may get, it may get reduced by the NHLPA, uh, um, you know, going, going the same direction as they did with Dennis Weidman and going to a third party arbitrator. But, I, I think that Wilson deserves to get the book thrown at him, and that's it's the only way that he's ever going to be a player that that uh, stays within the rules is if he's pe- penalized and penalized heavily. Yeah, and I think I think you know, and he did a good job at keeping maintaining that. I mean, there's no this was this is kind of like a no brainer. I mean, I really Nate Schmidt's thing that that still kind of surprised me. Like, I still think that that was a bit heavy handed, but. Um, well, I think that isn't that isn't that written in, isn't that a that that is not an arbitrary ruling that that's it's right. It isn't. Of, it isn't. But I think that they did. I mean, they're I think, following the letter of the law on the CBA. I believe if he's suspended for performance enhancing drugs, I think drugs. I think right. it is twenty games. So okay, yeah, there's, no, there's no. Yeah, I want to touch base on on Puyarvi because someone brought it up in the chat room, okay. and I and I do think that there's a rumor there before we get out of here today, um, as well. Um, or not yet, at least put it that way. I do think that we're going to have. Um, I mean, Justin Pujarvi is an interesting, is an interesting player, you know, on a lot of levels. He, um, many are saying, you know, this is his third year in the NHL. He should be doing a lot more than this at this point. Um, they've moved him all around. They've had, they've sent him up, they've sent him down. He's definitely had, a. yeah, I mean, remember this was the guy that came in, you know, he was the other guy after line a and after, you know, well, after he, was the, he was originally the guy who was supposed to go second overall. And then line a in that draft year superseded him. Right. And I always thought that if he was ever available, you know, I would think that Winnipeg would have taken a shot for him because it's like, you know, if he ever becomes available because there was such great chemistry between PRV and Line A, you know, in the past, um, whether or not that's needed at all. I mean, obviously, you know, you don't need chemistry when you got Shifley on your team. Um, but, um, you know, Shifley's got plenty of chemistry there as well. So my thinking on that was more before Line A and Shifley well, became this uh, incredible dynamic duo. But PRV, I think, still has some place and it doesn't. It's kind of interesting because, you know, I think he's sort of taking the path of Nugent Hopkins to me. Like, um, that's what it feels like. Like, which is an interesting path because Nugent Hopkins is actually a hell of a player. Like, he is not, I mean, he's, he's not like your number one overall player necessarily. Well, he's an excellent player. I mean, he's what? a really good player and has gotten to be a better player over time and has improved yeah. his game and, and is way underrated. I mean, like, just, I mean, and, and is really good, a good two way player. He had a couple beautiful goals last night. I mean, but yeah, he, he had a one takeaway that was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, he's got huge abilities, Nugent Hopkins, and he's a great guy on top of it all. And you just well, really think that you know. Well, I sort of, I, I sort of disagree that he, it's 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 a Nugent Hopkins situation. I think it's one of two situations. It's either a Taylor Hall situation or it's a Yakupov situation. A high draft pick. Now, no. now, Pulley hasn't done anything close to what Hall did in Edmonton, but. This is an organization that has proven over the years to give up on prospects way before yeah, they that, should. And that's, then, the to get here. Yeah. that's the problem here. We're talking about a 20-year-old power forward. How many of those actually exist in the league? Forget about where he was drafted. It doesn't matter what number he was drafted at. 20-year right. power forwards almost don't exist in this league. Brady Kachuk would have been one of the rarities. But a lot of these guys take until 22, 23. Go look at the moves like Jason Dickinson did last night. You know, he's 6'2", 220 something. Priority 6'4", 220 something. Sometimes for these bigger guys, it takes a little longer. If they trade him, they're going to make a mistake. And they're not going to get the value they hope they get. And somebody else is going to get a deal. Yeah, you want to go down the road of, of Barry Peterson for Cam Neely. You know, where Cam Neely plays a couple cups. Sorry, sorry, Peter, but Cam Neely plays a couple years in Vancouver, and then he blossoms. You know, he blossoms in Boston. Well, I mean, I'm not saying Pulleyarvi is going to become Cam Neely, but I'm saying the with with, with with power forwards, just like with goaltenders and some some defensemen, it takes a little while for them to get to where where they where they're going to get to. One thing that's forgotten about the Taylor Hall trade often is that Edmonton tried desperately to move Ryan Nugent Hopkins to Nashville mm-hmm. before it happened. Sure. 
they they realize that the Taylor Hall. Another team with all these draft picks that desperately tries to move their young talent. They wouldn't be trying to move this young talent in a desperate situation if their team wasn't so dire. That's yeah, I mean, the problem. It's such a weird spot because they had so many top draft picks and there were no defensemen in the years. Like if, if one of those draft picks changes and you know the the year comes around and they've got a, they get the draft that you know oh man why no oh, man well, well please the kid, the, kid in, the kid who's in Florida right now the the oh, what was that thank you if 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 one of those top picks that they got seamlessly endlessly top picks if one of them is the year that Ekblad comes out it's probably a whole different story in Edmonton excuse me the draft the Pooley RV was taken he was taken what fourth overall Russ yeah that was before Wierenski that was before Proforov but no one I don't think anyone at the time thought that they should skip on Pooley RV it was before Hannafin but did anyone say there was some thought that Warrenski could be a you, a you know player. the point being is don't you think I mean please, Harvey, I don't think there are teams that are totally okay with moving in the draft to get the player they want. The problem with Edmonton is I don't think they really understand the players they want or need, and they haven't figured that out in their internal scouting and and development part. They've had a turnstile of issues come through that place. They keep bringing in former Oilers from the 80s to help stabilize the organization. That's not where it needs stabilizing. It needs stabilizing way, way further down the food chain. Yeah, An organization like Edmonton, which, like Winnipeg, has a hard time attracting free agents based on its geography. You have to have the best of the best or be top 10 in the league on the scouting and development side to move those guys up and, and find things that you need for your organization because you can't just go out and spend money. And the problem is when you have a GM like Chirelli, you're spending money on the wrong things. Imagine if Chirelli had the money he'd spent on Lucic um, to do something else with. They didn't need Lucic. Yeah. They, needed, they needed other things, but... You think, well, Milan Lucic will solve these problems. No one will mess with Connor McDavid. Oh, God. And this is to, to help out Peter, too. In 2015, the Oilers fired four scouts um, a week before the draft. Yeah. Yeah. A week before. Yeah. yeah. And let me just let me just correct because I made I made a, a, an error, but but it, the, the point is still valid. Pooley was fourth in the 2016 draft. Yeah. And it was he was picked before Sergachev mm-hmm. or Jake Bean before Charlie McAvoy. Yeah. So All right, well, if you, well, if you didn't if, I, you, if you, you know the one I don't remember thing anybody that, saying that the no 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 but the but but what I'm saying is the one thing that we knew back in 2016 the one thing that they didn't need yeah. were forwards the one thing that they did yeah. need yeah. was defensemen and if you have the fourth overall pick it's not exactly tough to find teams that want to trade up and so you trade fair, down and to be fair to Edmonton here I remember pre-draft before the interviews with the guys that I had to sort of trumpet the situation where. McAvoy wasn't getting enough respect. And I still don't think going into his draft, he got enough respect for what we're seeing on the ice. And I even asked him about it two days before the draft, wrote about it. And so I can't fault the Oilers for that. A lot of teams Mm -hmm. didn't think McAvoy was going to be what he is now. That's a lot of revisions. I mean, at the time, PRV was the guy they were supposed to take there. Yeah, no, I don't think they got lucky because remember the whole idea was was they could have taken Kachuk, they could have taken Keller. Right, they could have like, taken Keller. Yeah, but sure. they—I mean, they—he was Puyarvi was supposed to go third to the Blue Jackets, right? Isn't that what happened? He was supposed they to could go have taken Chichurin. They could have just gotten out of that because they realized we don't need to take another forward. We need to take a different player, but we don't need to take him at number four. This is asset management. I, I want to go back well, just on, a little bit on the same back. topic. One sec, before you go back, the the mistake that the Oilers made was, and a lot of teams made this until Arizona, and that's why I made such a big deal when Arizona drafted Keller. Keller should have been drafted way higher in that draft, yeah. a smaller guy, yeah. and he fell victim to that. No, so the, to the the point I was going to make was back in the beginnings of Hockey Buzz, and we some of us were mods and stuff in there, Scoop Cooper was part of this little group chat we had. Yeah. And I remember when Buffalo announced 
that they were going to go and use a much more automated system. They got rid of a bunch of scouts. They were going to use video scouting, do so much of it in-house, so they weren't putting guys on the road. We we're talking about this in our group. Jim Benning. Was under yeah. Jim Benning. Um, Scoop came in, and he laid down a thesis <laughs> on the value of scouting. It was un in this conversation, and he hit things. And, and this is where I always say NHL scouting still hasn't gotten to where it could be. Because if you're in the if you're in the NFL, they know if you farted in grade nine math. <laughs> in the NHL, they don't they have no idea if that happened. That's sense. how detailed they are. And and that's the value of scouting. And you build up psychological profiles, you build up all sorts of things. You talk with the Billets family when you're staying in Swift Current and stuff. You learn all that, and you can't do that by video, you can't do that by analytics. And yes. Sure. 90% of hockey teams have a PCS model. It was developed by some guys in Vancouver and they've done really interesting stuff with it, but it doesn't tell you about the other aspect. You still are drafting a human, a person with variables inside their brain that affect things that come to the ice. Yeah. And that's what scouts do. And, that, and, that, and that's why, and that's why, and, 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 and to rest to your point, to take that away a week before a draft, is not just insanity it's gross misconduct i would have fired the gm if i'd owned the team yeah and, that, and that's why and that's why like you see some great shifting in in the thought process of players being picked at certain places after the draft combine because all these teams interview these kids face to face maybe sometimes for the first time but yeah. most of the time it's like first the second or third time and you know for example this past year you know the the Canadians got sold on Jesperi Kotkaniemi at the combine. Yeah, right. They were not going to take. They probably weren't going to take him until they talked to him face to face and yeah. they loved him and they said, "Okay, we're 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 done. We're we're going to take." Yeah. This. And, and to be fair to Edmonton, I ranked PRV number three. I did. Yeah. yeah, you did. I remember. I remember that. I remember this so well. And and I mean, no one knows this better than Russ, obviously, because Russ. I mean, you got to listen to the if you listen to Russ's yeah. show XM on the afternoons. On um, Saturday and Sunday, it plays every hour on the hour. <laughs> Saturday morning at nine o'clock. Thank you. And then yeah, again, it's, I think at eleven. It's amazing it's stuff. Six, right? Yeah, um, uh, actually, it's at eight o'clock now on Sunday. I don't know how frequent they're playing it anymore. For some reason, it's whenever I'm in the car on the weekend. Yeah, it does seem that way. It's, am, yeah. it's amazing, and it because because it is the best. I'm not, I'm not just saying because Russ is here. It is. No, the, it's. I agree. It's the best show on XM. Going, it's the best hockey show. The 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 architect, no, but, but I don't want to make a point about that. No, at no point in time in the history of hockey has the availability of information about the future generations been as accessible as it is now. Sure. Like you have guys like Russ doing this incredible stuff on a weekly show. You go over the U S you know, so much about the development programs, the kids, where they come from and stuff in Canada is bonkers right now. When I grew up, there was, we had nothing as you would have to literally get the hockey news and see if anyone wrote about anything from the WHL. Like that's how like, I remember the way, the way I found out about scouts. Peter was the hockey news, like in the back where they would have the statistics from the OHL. And that's all you could see. Like they would have yeah. huge amount of statistics in the back and the hockey digest, the little tiny hockey digests would have this too. And they would have all these stats and that, and you, they, there weren't, you would never get a story about somebody out of there, you, but you might, you might see who's like tearing it up and you'd be like, Oh, that player must be pretty good. I maybe I'll see him some 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I want to also to Peter's point, we could get more information too, Peter. Believe it or not, like the CHL has proprietary stats. Time on the ice. I can't get yeah. time on the ice for a Canadian <laughs> Hockey League player, which is crazy. Hell, Russ, yeah. you can't get time on ice for the American Hockey how League. Do you have, how, do you, how do you make your stats proprietary in the first place? That's one thing I want to know. Like, it's like, tracking them. And so they want to sell them because they course, need money yeah, and, and stats, yeah. are stats but you know the thing there are certain things like if you're actually the league like it's one thing if like i've dealt with this group called stats incorporate or whatever that sells stats. that's it and they're they're you know they're a little crooked but they're okay they're fine and I've i know we don't deal with them anymore um there's other companies out there that do it for a lot less than they do it for but those guys i get because they're they're putting these stats they're putting all the stats into like a format that can help you put it online easier and that's 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 worth something to you right but but you know, the, if you're actually a league not releasing your stats, that just seems absolutely absurd. It's like we're not going to tell you who won or lost last night. But it's true. Coming into this draft, I wanted to get 
Andrei Svechnikov's time on the ice for games, and I could not get it. Hey. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, and that, 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 that stuff's important. And, you know, you've got to sometimes sit there with a stopwatch and you got to yeah. do it yourself, and it's hard. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I know a, a, a former teacher of one of my kids is a scout for the WHL. Um, and he scouts basically Bantam and minor Bantam players in the prairies. And he goes around and it's super oh, interesting. Would that be true? Like, I love, I love that. I've teach one of my kids' teachers. Is a scout yeah. But <laughs> that's the level that it goes down. And, yeah. and just to think like, if, if we're all into, if we're taking analytics and we're trying to build better hockey systems using data and stuff, whatever you want to do and understand players, your starting point is still with the human aspect of who these kids are, where they come from and what you learn about them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's, it's not just, there's God given skill. There's, there's supernatural ability, but there's something up here that makes it all come together. And you've got to have a way to gauge that. And, and, and scouting is super important. Oh, it's, yeah, it's so important. It's like, you, yeah. I, I always tell people who, say they watch video and do other things with guys. And that, this is why I'm not a scout. A scout, and I talk to these guys, right? I'm at events. I, I'm at games. I talk to these guys. They'll see one player 30 times in a season. Yeah. They're really yeah. interested in them. I can't do that. I don't have the funding for yeah. it. I don't have the time for it because of the radio show. So I do try and see as much as I can live. I do some on video too. But, like, I don't rely – if I only have video on a player, I won't even rank them. Yeah. yeah, that's that's interesting. You know, I really think that is interesting because and, you know, we see, you've seen it and you really do have to watch what a player does away from the ice, away, away from not away from the ice, but away from the puck. There's so much to, to a game like, you know, and, and I've just recently done a situation. We're going to end after this. But, I, I, you know, my my daughter plays in a pretty high level soccer league um, and they're all juniors and seniors in high school. So they're all being scouted. So when we go to when we go to these big tournaments, there are scouts from other colleges around and stuff like that. And I've had to deal with coaching them and teaching them how to play in that situation when you actually have a scout in the room watching you, because it's very nerve wracking, you know, for, and for, for any player to do that when they know somebody is there watching them, um, you know, with the potential like scholarship in their hands or whatever. Yeah. And, um, and I tell them what I've, what I've heard from hockey scouts. And I always pass the information around that hockey scouts know that it doesn't necessarily depend on you all the time because, and hockey's even hockey's is a little different than soccer where soccer, you can play a game in the, ball may or may not really you may or may not interact with the ball you may or may or may not be able to show what you do as much as in hockey where you get you're more around the puck all the time but you still can't do everything at once and you can't try to do something for a scout you've got to go out and play your game and so much of what scouts look at is how they how players are reacting to what their teammates do on the ice how they are you know how they are around their coaches the attitude they have when something goes wrong um, that doesn't even involve them are they yelling at a player who makes a mistake there's all sorts of things that are happening that, you know, that you have to pass along to kids who are in that situation, you know, like just, you've got to be your best person and slash player, because you don't know if you're going to get the opportunity. Well, to. The person part is huge now. And if you listen to anybody after combine interviews, GMs and otherwise, they are testing kids for character and it means something. And characters. I mean, it's, it's a lot because there is so little that separates these players. Like, you right. know, yeah. Russ, I mean, the difference between, yeah. I mean, there are the few players that are so out there. There are a few outliers that are so incredible. And then there's a few guys that just don't even deserve to be scouted. But for the most part, if, when you get to these like W, you know, OHL, WHL type things, there's a, most of them are within like a 10% range. In yeah. And I mean, I, when I saw John Tavares playing for Oshawa, I felt like he was bored in the game that I was watching him in. He was still great, but I think he was completely bored. <laughs> yeah. I've, I know. I've, I was in a situation like that one time too, where I saw a player, um, in in Hershey that I was looking forward to seeing, I went to go see him play it, and I'm like, well, that that's what everybody what's everybody talking about, you know? And he went on to have a, a really terrible career, got drafted, but had a terrible career. It, but but you know, Taras went on to have an amazing career. So you're like, yeah. you know, you can't take one game, like you say, you got to see them a yeah. bunch of times. You don't know the situation, you don't know what's happening behind the scenes. There's so many yeah. things. But anyway, good talk as always, guys. Great week too. We really appreciate you guys, everybody stopping by this week. Um, and, uh, remember to follow everybody on Twitter here, um, the whole group. Um, and you know, you can find their Twitter if you follow like Mike and Buffalo sportsology at Teddy a, um, if you just, follow, <laughs> what was that? Teddy or Teddy or Teddy or yeah. I always call it Teddy a, I don't know why. It is. It's Teddy a. like Tessier, but with D's. That's what I thought. So, 
like Ted D or T E Mike's phonetical. Right. So take it like that. Um, and at, at by Kevin Allen, you know, you should definitely be following Kevin um, as well. And we thank him for showing up today. Remember, you can go to the website, um, hockeybuzz.com. I, I actually am doing something. I'm starting something tomorrow that's been a dream of mine. And I was going to start today. But so we're looking for a new Montreal Canadiens writer right now, currently. And we need more Montreal Canadiens coverage. And uh, so I have taken off. I'm going. I am going to cover the Canadians as a, as an as a beat writer, which is going to be fun for me. I'm going to do that just just temporarily while we find somebody uh-huh. else. Cool. But uh, just in the short term, and I'll have my first article. I had was going. I was writing it for today, but um, we had somebody else put up an article today already for the Canadians. But I'm going to be covering the Habs, and I can't wait. Honestly, I can't wait to just cover a team because that's something that very different than what I usually have to do, which is uh, you know, find rumors. And I'll still be doing that. I'll still be writing my rumors blog. I'm just looking forward to just writing about a hockey team as well. And I'm, I'm a longtime Canadians follower, so I'm looking forward to that. I'll go head to head with Mike, you know, because you know that would be fun. That's great. Oh, you, or you'll lose. <laughs> yeah, you know. Well, we'll see. But um, it'll be kind of fun. So anyway, I'll be doing that this. Hey, and Paul's I- doing a good job so far. That's for sure. Hey guys, um, breaking news. All right. NHL Commissioner Gary Batman to make major sports betting announcement. Well, yeah, because of the Devils. The Devils. They um William Hill, who um is a company I'm familiar with, they've actually yeah. advertised yeah, yeah, they've actually advertised on my website. They have a lounge now at the Prudential Center. The devil sent out a PR yesterday. So they might be coming to other arenas now after the devils. That's what it sounds like. Oh, okay. That's fascinating, guys. For years I wouldn't even we turned down so much money for sports advertising. Um and now because and then I, I did too, actually. There was a point where I said it's getting so close. I am now going to take it. Well, that's what we did. We did officially uh, last year when it was written. But, you know, I remember talking to the NHL years ago and saying, what do you, because I would, I wanted to make sure the NHL wasn't pissed off at me. So I said, what is, what's your thought on this? And they said, yeah, I would stay away from it. I remember that. And now they are here, here, you know, have, have them. They're actually setting up. Uh, it's just funny how things change. Um, all right. Remember guys, without the buzz, it is just hockey. We will talk to you on Monday. Have a great weekend, everyone. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.